The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our DC. Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all the ships at sea, lovers, muggers, and thieves. Welcome to the Boston Podcast. My name is Dave. I'm your host. If you like this show, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. And it is the show where we use the voices of our city to tell the stories of our city. And we have a storyteller here today, which is cool, which we'll get to right after I tell you that, as a reminder, we produce podcasts here at pod617.com. And... If you'd like your own podcast, go to that website and check it out. I want to thank our new sponsor, All Inclusive with Jay Ruderman. It's a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Some great interviews on that show. Check it out. Find it on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere else you find your podcast or go to allinclusivepodcast.com. So on the subject of storytelling, Aiden McCarthy is my guest. He is an aspiring filmmaker, storyteller, man about town. He is here in the virtual studio. How you doing, Aiden? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. All right. I appreciate it. So the the thing that you have cooking right now, well, tell us where are you in life? Are you are you in school? Are you out of school? I know you're a young man, but tell me. I'm out of school. I'm in Brooklyn, New York right now. I work for Marvel Entertainment. I work on the video production side of things over there. It's part of their, when I say Marvel Entertainment, I, I'm talking more about the publishing side of Marvel. We make sort of like a lot of their YouTube co- uh, content, promotional material for comic books. And we do some promo for the movies. But when I say Marvel, a lot of people immediately assume like the movies and whatnot, but right. that's all out on the West Coast. So isn't that, really touch that isn't that a funny sign of the times? Because if, you know, 20 years ago, if you had said Marvel, everybody would have said, yeah, I got a, yeah. St- I got a stack of Marvels over there. I've had them since uh-huh. collected them since I'm, I was a kid. But now, yeah, they have the comic book deal has definitely taken over Hollywood. In fact, Hollywood mm-hmm. can't seem to do anything else except make comic book movies. But that eh, rant for another day. So <laughs> and and this this project you've got, you've you've got a in crowdfunding effort underway for a film that you are producing. Do I have that right? Yes. Yep. It's a short film. It'll probably be between 10 and 15 minutes. Yeah, it's it's a short film. It's about two sports talk show hosts. They reach a boiling point in their professional relationship, in their personal and professional relationship, and they hash it out on air. And it reaches a climax when they're frequent call-in guest, one of their regular guys calls in and he's, he's on He's on the, the, the precipice, I suppose. He's calling in. He's at the end of his rope, and the three mm-hmm. of them have sort of a communal meltdown. <laughs> <laughs> the end of his sports rope, or he's he's actually about end to of hang his himself? his life rope. Okay. Uh, he's, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, immediately, I'm sure you have lots of influences in your creative work, but immediately that recalls the film Talk Radio. Have you seen that movie, Eric Bogosian? Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely an inspiration for this. That's one of the, I would say the three movies that I kind of use as like reference points for this. The other two being the big short, as far as like how we want to shoot this and, and, and the, the look and sort of the, the tone and of the dialogue. 
and uh, Uncut Gems, or really, I mean, like any Safdie Brothers movie, but probably Uncut Gems is the most relevant to this. Very, again, frenetic, sweaty, in your face, mm. kind of fast paced type of thing. But talk radio is, is certainly the, is definitely the closest point of comparison. I mean, I love that movie. I think it's, I think it's terrific. Definitely sort of trying to capture that magic that they yeah. had there as well. Uncut Gems is probably the most very good movie, but probably the most stress, one of the stressful most stressful <laughs> experiences I've had in watching a film. That's the the Adam Sandler movie, and he's mm-hmm. he's kind of a, a deadbeat, a quasi bookie, always in trouble, running from people who he owes money to. But you're right, frenetic, tremendously. So let me add, before we started recording, I confided in you that deplore Boston sports radio, and <laughs> that's why I have listened to it. Uh, for, you know. For, for hours and hours and hours and hours, which makes no sense. It's like the Woody Allen joke about the, the, the food here is terrible, yes, and the portions are so small. I don't know why I keep listening. But anyway, tell me about your experience, your younger man than I, um, listening to sports radio, and, and is it uh, a love of yours, or are you just sort of interested in it, or what? No, I... I... No. No, I, I mean, like, I love, I mean, I've certainly like had lots of experience with it, but I, I think you're right. And the, I think most people kind of feel how you feel about the, <laughs> the, the love to hate it kind of element to it. I, I mean, I grew up, it was just, it was on the car quite, like, it was on the radio in the car quite a bit growing up. And I mean, I'm, I'm thinking in particular WEEI, the big show, all that. I mean, that was just, I've just heard so many hours of that, just like to and from soccer practice, you know, stuff like that. And there's something, I don't know, there's something so like dramatic about this whole world. It's so like it's ready made for conflict. I mean, it's like what they, it's like what they're hired, it's what they're paid to do essentially is just argue. So it, it, it's, it feels like such a uh, like lucrative topic for a, a short film or it did mm-hmm. for me, which is partially why I wanted to write the script and, and then produce it was because it felt on one hand very personal because I had had so many hours of like all these personalities, like, bef- like as a child, like before I'm even really like understanding of like what the adult world like is or like <laughs> <Right>. what, <laughs> you know, like what, you know, a grown man is supposed to be. And I get this completely warped, distorted <laughs> view in the, in the form of, you know, Glenn Ordway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. yeah. I know. Um, yeah. It, it's, um, that is a, a, a dark world of, of sports radio, and yet it, it is. I think we can learn from it, and I think it's shrewd to pick it as a backdrop for a dramatic short film because, you know, as terrible as it is, it is that. It's high intensity. It's it's a lot of emotion, and it's just it can be done very well. Like Mike and the Mad Dog um, in New York were some of the pioneers, and some of their stuff was great. But well, yeah, that's there. I mean. I hate to hate to say say this about you know New York, especially New York sports, but they're probably it's equal measures like the Mad Dog and the kind of the the research that I've done on the fan and whatnot combined with this sort of the the like kind of visceral <laughs> experience I get I, I guess that I like I recall from from yeah. from childhood. So I would say the world because it takes place in a Boston market sports station because that's you know that. Like I'm from Boston, how could it not be? But the right. the dynamic between the characters is is maybe more modeled after, and I mean I guess it's a, like the general two man show it, it, like on this kind of station is is not you know specific to Mike and the Mad Dog, but that was definitely a starting point in like how I viewed these characters and their relationship. 
And the whole thing, I mean, the kind of the Rosetta Stone, Stone for this short and this script and everything was the the Mad Dog, the Chris Russo, he did a rant about the San Francisco Giants in 2003. Mm-hmm. It just, it's a complete on-air meltdown. It's, <laughs> it, it feels so like operatic, almost like mm-hmm. Shakespearean and how many things he like covers in such a short, like how it's such a glimpse into such a huger world. And that was really an inspiration behind like having like an argument or a sports radio conflict sort of expose all the different facets in these two men's lives and the three men when you factor in the the caller as well. Well, we'll take just a brief listen to some of this from the the archives. Oh, yes, the Giants. Think about that for a second. I have been around for 50 years, not a thing. Twice this team out of nowhere has knocked us off twice. I'll give you one other stat. Yeah, Giants have played four postseason games in Joe Robbie Stadium. In the last six years. And they have lost every game in the last at bat. Yep. Every freaking game in that stupid ballpark they've lost in the last. I got Ernie Kishonis calling me up and going crazy. More than this, more than that. More than fans are nowhere to be found. And now I can't win a game in that park in front of 65,000 people. I'll tell you, Saturday I was so upset. And I thought I was beyond it. I thought it wouldn't bother me. Saturday I was mad at Rodriguez. I was mad at JT. I was mad at JT. <laughs> he's he's an original, which is why he was so great. And, and his, I thought his emotion was not put on. Whereas sometimes in Boston, I feel like some of the guys they invent stuff and they scream because they think just screaming is enough. But anyway, let me ask you: Are you in the film? Yeah, uh, very very briefly. I just okay. play the uh, producer, the guy behind the the levels and whatnot. Right. Uh, so I, I don't really speak. I don't speak too much. I have maybe one or two lines, but um, just uh, I thought it'd be cool to be in the just to, to be in front of the camera real briefly. But obviously, it's not. You know, I didn't want it. It's not my show necessarily, as far as you know, acting. It's um, very Hitchcockian of you. <laughs> so the the film, the to be released, to be produced films called First Time, Long Time, and Aiden. How do people find out about this and contribute to the cause? Well, if you look up first time, long time on Indiegogo, it should come up. It's it, the link itself. I wish there was an easy Indiegogo slash dot com slash uh, first time, long time, but the link is a little bit longer. So I don't know if you have like a li- maybe a link to that in the description or something. Yes, but, um, we can put it. We can put it in the show notes. And yeah. you're right. It is a little too long to read off. So, <laughs> yeah, look, look. So please go to the show notes and find the link for first. If you Google it, yep. it'll, it'll probably come up as All well. Right. Um, there you go. Yeah. So tell me, has is is filmmaking always been in your thoughts as you, as you were growing up? Did you always think you wanted to be a filmmaker? And if so, why? What kind of movies were you watching? Well, the funny, like the interesting thing is, I don't think I thought of myself as someone who would become a filmmaker or someone who is not really super like that. That filmmaking was my thing, or or that films were my thing, for like a really really long time. It really, wasn't until college or really right after college that I kind of honed in on what I wanted to do with like in this world I I had grown up and I've always been an artist like sketching and drawing and whatnot and that was always sort of my calling card or the thing that I was thought I would maybe most I'd be doing for like my whole life and I after college I just I had an internship at at a pretty big media company and then I had been begging them for a job and they started, they gave me some freelance work as a production assistant. And I worked for a few years as a production assistant. And 
just I just felt like I just I've always watched a lot of movies and it just sort of clicked that I, I really felt like I probably wouldn't be happy with myself if I didn't try to create something in this world. And at first it was just writing. I wrote for a few years, just screenwriting, writing future uh, films, trying to just get a handle on how I could even, you know, write or, or create something like this. And then I, I told myself, if I could come up with an idea that takes place one room and be like, very easy to film as far as like we're not it, it, would, it would be doable not a lot of changing scenery real time then I would just have to put the pedal to the metal and just go for it and a couple of years ago I had this idea after <laughs> after watching this Chris Russo rant and yep. thinking back to all the all the hours of sports radio that I had ingested and I had just sort of been working on it off and on until you know the pandemic obviously slowed everything down I wasn't really able to do anything but then as, as things that started to open up again back in the spring, it became apparent that this it was this was the time to do it. And it was time to put the final polish on the scripts and start recruiting a crew and 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 get it done. So the the and you but you you didn't answer my question in your avoiding question. <laughs> no, what yeah to give me a few of your I mean, I'm not gonna ask you to give you some of my favorite the top, movies, top five, but give me a yeah, give me a sampling. Well so I mean like the sort of films that I, I talked about a little bit earlier are, are a couple of favorites in that kind of genre of really like sort of tense, you know, suspense filled type of film has always been something I've really been attracted to is especially things like very introspective or very thoughtful while also being very kind of I don't know how to say it, so I was saying obnoxious, but kind of like dangerous or, or, mm-hmm. or thrilling, something like Paul Schrader movies. And how about huge... uh, Network? Did you enjoy the, have you seen the movie Network? Because <laughs> yeah. I love Network. Network's great. Yeah. Network's very, you know, it's got that edge of like satire on it. So it's, it's, it's obviously a little, it's a lot of it's sort of outsized, you know, on purpose, which, which, you know, I love, but I think the sort of more, Things like, I guess they, you know, bring it up again, like something like talk radio kind of explores a similar mm-hmm. thing, this kind of, you know, reckoning with oneself and the media and having it be sort of grounded in, a, you know, sort of real personalities has always been super, really, really like engaging to me. Yeah. One movie that would, would maybe also fall into that is, is pump up the volume, the not as great a film, but have you seen that one with Christian Slater? Uh, I have not. Oh, okay. Well, that's on your list, Aiden. Okay. So he's, <laughs> I mean, he, he, in a way he invents podcasting in like the nineties before podcasting was ever a thing, but he's, he's a high school kid, Christian mm-hmm. Slater. He's feeling, you know, isolated as high school kids do. And he starts this ham radio show that people can get if they're in the area. Anyway, it pump up the volume. I can't say I give it like, you know, two thumbs up, but maybe one and a half. Anyway. So, have you have you ever called into a sports radio show? No, I haven't. No? I thought about maybe doing it for the experience before this, but I don't think I it got away from me, and I never did. And I don't know that. I mean, the, you know, here's a, another funny thing: is is this script is set in 2004, so it's it's oh. I, I was trying, not only am I trying to capture the feel of the, this whole sports radio world, but also a, a sports radio world in a very specific point in time. <laughs> and part of this was because that's, in my head, it feels like the golden age of it, if there is one. I mean, part of it's also just because it's, like I said, it's when I grew up with it. So yep. it's, it's, you know, that's what I remember it from. Mm-hmm. But it felt like as 
things got more digital and people listen to more podcasts, listen to like Bill Simmons or Barstool or something like it's mm -hmm. maybe less radio driven. Right. And that at the time, I think for Mike and the Mad Dog and, you know, EEI and, and other, you know, local markets, I feel like were, was, was sort of like a, maybe a time when they were more prevalent or when they, their voices were heard, heard a bit more. Well, yeah. And, when Rick Pitino coached the Celtics, he famously called the sports radio world, the fellowship of the miserable. And, <laughs> and, you know, in, in a way you don't like being called miserable, but, but man, he was right. He was right. And so I guess what you're getting at is oh, 2003, the Red Sox have one of their most heartbreaking postseason exits when Grady Little forgets to take out Pedro Martinez, Aaron Boone, the whole thing. And then oh four, the Red Sox finally get their redemption, but not without an extremely painful process and falling behind the A. So I'm guessing that the I don't want you to give away your movie, but I'm guessing they're dealing with that kind of angst because the I think you're right. Talk radio was flourishing because it it's it's like um, an evil beast from a horror movie. It feeds on misery, you know. Let's be, like be clear. Like the, the, I, I have, the misery is absolutely at the forefront here. Like it's this is like you're you're totally right. This is totally the the like the way. This is not in any way putting any kind of like. I know I keep talking about it like as if it's something that I remember, you know, from my childhood fondly or whatever, but it's mm -hmm. truly, it, that's not how I think of it. It's definitely like, this is sort of, I'm more fascinated than anything. So this is that of how these men, you know, how these people can just be so like miserable all yeah. the time. Yeah. And I know that, that it pays to be miserable, that it's, you don't get as many lessons if you don't argue, if you don't, mm -hmm. if you don't tear things down. And so that like the psychosis that goes into creating that environment is certainly, you know, and especially, like you said, a very painful process to get to, to the World Series. In particular, the another very personal point in this uh, whole story is the trading of Nomar Garcia Park, oh. who at the time, you know, when I was a kid, I remember, <laughs> so I was 10 and, and he was my favorite player and he had been throughout my entire childhood. And I remember, I think he was every kid's favorite yeah. player. And my dad was trying to like let me down easy. He was like preparing me the month leading up to it that Nomar might be going to a different team. And I remember where I was exactly when my mom came into the room and told me, Hey, they traded Nomar. Mm. He's no longer playing for the side. And it's like, it's like that. Why is this such an important memory? I mean, yeah. everybody has their weird relationship to sports, mm -hmm. but that in particular is sort of the argument that is the crux uh, of the debate between these two hosts. Okay. Because it's, it's, yeah, without giving too much away, I mean, and I don't think it is that one sort of one it thinks it's very obvious that what they need to do is get rid of him. And the other one thinks, hey, this is, this is Nomar. He was part of, the, you know, the big four with Pedro and I'm trying to, <laughs> Manny. Ortiz had yet to really break through, yeah. but maybe it was Ortiz, but yeah. But he was, you know, yeah. a, a mainstay up right. to that point. He sort of defends Nomar's honor mm -hmm. a bit, which I, you know, at the time is maybe, you know, is certainly like the summer, early summer of 2004, from what I can understand is that was actually, it's a pretty unpopular position. I think most people are in agreement, but uh, I, I, it, I yeah. can, yeah, I can pick up on that. I, I have the dis distinct memory of going to Fenway in, you know, maybe May of 04 and Nomar coming to the plate and the place just just it's one of these players that's special player. So the first time he, he comes to the plate, he's given this huge, warm round of applause, welcome, people cheering. And I remember the guy who I was with turned to me and said, I can't trade him. 
there's no way they can trade him. You know, he's the heart and soul of this team. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, history proves that Theo Epstein wasn't right about everything, but he was. He had the cojones to trade the most popular player in Boston at the time, and it worked. I can't believe it worked. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's incredible. It's yeah. such a, like, you know, and I tried at first because I didn't want to set it in, this is at first in 2004 because I felt like, well, that's going to be a pain in the ass to get everything kind of, like, period correct or whatever. Or at least it'll be, like, an unnecessary, like, source of stress. So we'll just set it in modern times and I'll just, you know, I'll just make up the sports, the sports story. And, mm. and, and that was okay, but it was a little like, it didn't really have a shape and I was just, didn't really know what I wanted the story to be. And then it wasn't until I was committed to like, okay, well, I'm going to have to map this conflict to a real life sports conflict. And I've been using the Nomar as a uh, situation as kind of like a template for my fictional one. And I was like, you know what? I, I think I should just, this is clearly the story that is spiritually connected to, this is the sports story spirit, spiritually connected to the fictional one. It, it, it feels like it only makes sense to, to go with that. And the more I did research into it and the more, like you said, how can you trade this guy? Like the sort of element of it, this, that he was, you know, this hero and the, the, conflict between him being a little bit over the hill not his former self but still having that stature within the team in the city is is that could be a maybe its own <laughs> yeah. movie um, yeah it, it, he was i would love to see a documentary on him because he, he had ups and downs he was the hero he was the goat he was at one point as popular as we talked about and then he was seen as as someone who was being lazy or something it was a, there was a weird moment in the game in Yankee Stadium when he sat down and no one was sitting near him and he was traded not too long after that. Yeah. Or, no, that might have been 03. I'm not, now I might be mixing no, it up. No, I but, think you're right. I think, oh, I think it was 04. It was 04 and okay. he was injured or he was coming off an Achilles injury and he yep. was choosing not to play. They, right. There was the belief was that he was okay to play and that he was sitting out as a sort of a tactic because he wasn't happy with the way the contract negotiations were going. Yep. And yeah, there's definitely, and that was the game where Jeter dove into the stands to get the foul coming out all cut and bruised up. And you had this such a storybook, stark contrast between the two shortstops, you know, the guy who's willing to do everything for the team versus the, you know, quotes in quotes, prima donna. It was, and there was something sort of foretelling about that because Nomar and Jeter, there was the, the great debate between who was the better shortstop and, now it seems almost silly because Jeter went on to become such a legend and just a stand-up guy. However, that is the most overrated catch in baseball history. If you watch <laughs> it, if you watch it, he takes he takes a couple he makes a good catch, but then what makes it memorable is he stumbles. He falls after he loses his balance after he catches it and only then goes plunging into the stands and and messes up his face. So, Jeter, overrated. <laughs> Hi, this is uh, Billy from uh, Challenge Yeah, Aiden, uh, Gita, way overrated. I'll take yeah. uh, Noma yeah. any day, kid. <clears throat> so that's yeah. the way it was. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. That was my Billy from Challenge So we're up against the clock a little bit here. But once again, make sure to check the show notes to find out how you can support Aiden McCarthy's film. First time, long time. Great title, by the way. And I think um, we deserve a movie that appropriately has the the uh, the old four Red Sox as a backdrop because uh, Fever Pitch not so much the Jimmy Fallon movie no 
anyway, we're going. Yeah, I'm actually. Go you ahead. know, it's funny. I'm in the background of one of those one of the crowd shots at Fenway. Oh, really? Uh, fever pitch. Yeah, I was at the game with my dad, and they they at the game. The game was over. They pulled out all these actors. They asked us all to stay, and they and they. I you know I don't think you can see me, but I, I'm there somewhere. When Jimmy Fallon was out to I, to the mound or whatever he did. Well, I was there too, but but from the sound of things, maybe not the same night you were there. I was there a night where. Like you said, the game ended. They said, stick around if you want to be an extra in the Ferrelli Brothers movie. They brought out the fake Red Sox, and then they had a fake Johnny Damon with a fake beard because he had that Captain Caveman look going. Uh, and then the real Johnny Damon came out and replaced him, and they shot the scene where Drew Barrymore runs across the field. But I didn't see Jimmy Fallon that night. So you might uh, have maybe been. Maybe he wasn't there. I, okay. You know, it's, I, I, remember, it, it, I remember being there, but I, I – I, I couldn't tell you. You were only that. 10. You're only 10, so you're <laughs> forgiven. Aiden's going to stick around for just a couple more minutes. We're going to play a round of good stuff where both he and I will recommend something good, maybe you brighten your day. Before we do that, let me take just one minute to tell you what we do here at the Boston Podcast Network. Pod617.com is where you go if you want your own show. We'll produce the whole thing for you. You can come visit us in our Westwood studios. There are actually people coming in person into our studios now, actually using our equipment. Yes, this pandemic thing might actually kind of sort of end. Anyway, if you want your own show, you're probably thinking about reaching your network. Podcast is a great way to reach potential clients, people in your network. You invite them as a guest on the show, they'll be amazed. So it's a great way to network with professionals also. Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. Hi, I'm Jay Ruderman. All Inclusive is a podcast focused on inclusion and social justice. Join me as I interview leaders and experts on the latest news focused on advocacy for social justice. In order to make progress that will lead to a more equitable future, honest discussions must be held. That is what All Inclusive is all about. Listen and subscribe to the All Inclusive podcast on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Visit the show website for more information and full episode transcripts at www.allinclusivepodcast.com. All right, let's play a quick round of good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. All right. In fairness, I should point out that Aiden has had about seven and a half minutes to think about this. So if you don't get greatness, then blame me. You have something to recommend to the listening public, Aiden. Yeah, sure. Um, it's, yeah. So I was thinking about it and I was trying to think of a movie that's really stuck with me recently. Sure. And this is, I feel a little basic because it's like such a well-known, well-regarded movie, but I went and saw Do the Right Thing for the first time wow. at an outdoor theater it was a, it's, a, it's a bar in brooklyn called syndicated and they play movies you know they have a theater in the back but ever since the pandemic they started playing it on the side of the bar outside every night or like at eight or nine and I, it's it's a great place so maybe that could be a double if you're in brooklyn syndicated yeah. is a great place to check out and do the right thing is is with such a incredible movie from and you know it wasn't his first movie, but it was one of his early ones where he was sort of finding his voice and becoming you know Spike Lee as we know him. So it felt a little like you know I, obviously I'm not tackling issues quite as severe or important yeah. as him, but it felt like it was a good thing to see before trying to you know make my own uh, little piece of film. Yeah, and I think the that movie holds up 
really well. Maybe I'm stating the obvious after going through a year where Black Lives Matters was on the was uh, you know at the top of the subject everyone was talking about. You know, the movie is about racial tensions exploding on like the hottest day of the year in New York, and um, very well done, with the possible exception of Rosie Perez dancing nonsensically at the beginning of the movie for. For, uh, <laughs> I think a lot of people might disagree with you about oh, well, that. Okay. <laughs> well, I like the I like the Public Enemy song. I'll say that. Anyway, so that so that is. I'm sorry. What's the name of the? You said it's, it's a bar where they sh- where they show it. Yeah, uh, syndicated. Syndicated uh, in okay. Brooklyn. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. My I have a cousin. My cousin Jeff Yaz is a musician in Brooklyn. With um, you'd get a kick out of this because the name of his band is Turnpike because that's how you get to New York. You take the pike. A bunch of Boston guys living in, in Brooklyn, so maybe I'll check out the syndicate as well next time I'm there. Uh, I will recommend a show that I think I've maybe recommended on this show before, but I don't care because it's it's such a lost, not a lost treasure, a diamond in the rough in the in the comedy world. Have, Aiden, have you ever heard of a show called Letter? Yeah, I have. I've yeah. seen I've seen a few clips here and there. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah it's. And let me see if I can sh- share the trailer of this is the trailer of season nine for Letter Kenny. Um, I haven't watched this yet, but I'm going to go ahead and apologize for the language ahead of time because it can get a little salty. Here's the trailer, season nine, letter Kenny. There's something real pervy about that word, taste. How are the first few bites tasting? Everything tasting to your liking. I see you've had a taste. Oh, yeah, you like how it tastes? Check, please. Which one of you speak the shit out of my cousin? Happy me. That's how they do it in Canada then, eh? Eight dudes on one. To be fair, if there were other dudes there, you would have beat the shit out of them too. Where was you? Going scorched earth, boys. Had me a date. How many dates going on? Today? Holy. What's the odds I get five shirtless soldiers served up the second I go on the rebound? Six. One's her cousin. And? So that's enough of a t- taste of it. You, you, and, and taste, I, I didn't mean to use that word again. But, you know, it's a Canadian show. It's been running nine seasons now. They are apparently making seasons 10 and 11. It's just so, and Aiden, you probably appreciate it. It's just so well written. It's this rat-a-tat-tat of insults and remarks and plays on words and puns and all kinds of things. And And then it's also got the sort of mysterious sheen of Canadian humor, which is just kind of dry and a little bit weird. And there's a lot of yeah. hockey hockey humor. I'm not even a hockey guy, but you, sort of these hockey players who, who you know, they talk about, hey, Shorzy, hey, Riley, hey, Pinky, hey, Jimmy, hey. Everybody's name ends in Y. Anyway, so Letter Kenny, I recommend it highly. And so, Aiden, I hope you had fun on the Boston Podcast. Absolutely. All All right. Right. Thanks so much for having me. Really my, appreciate it. My pleasure. Always good to let off a little steam and talk about how much I can't stand Boston sports talk radio, but can't wait to see first time, long time, the upcoming film by Aiden McCarthy and support your young filmmakers. People go to Indiegogo search for first time, long time and leave a couple bucks for him. I mean, he's a good kid. Come on. And I want I want to see the movie. Thanks so much. For listening to the Boston Podcast, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your shows and go to pod617.com if you want your own show. You could be the next big podcast star. I'll thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. Thanks to our sponsor, the all-inclusive podcast. Find that anywhere you find your pods. On behalf of Aiden, my name is Dave. I'm just a guy from Boston. But if you're not from Boston, you must be the other guy. Have a great day, everybody.
I'll hang up and let you answer while I'm off the phone. Later. I'll sing a little bit for